Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of every heart within the sound of my voice be pleasing in your sight. O oh God, our Redeemer. Amen. Today, I'd like to share with you some thoughts on why we should worship God. Why worship God? And I hope that you were listening with the children's message because that's part of it. It's one thing to, to believe and to know, but how do we prove? How do we know that God is there and God is moving? And a lot of that is in the way we live. The smiles on our faces. The way we treat other people. The way we work together to move tables. The way we reflect Christ to the world around us. Demonstrates that we really believe it. It's a changed life. It's a changed heart. And there's a difference in people who know what they believe and live it. But Paul came out in Ephesians talking to the, the church at Ephesus in chapter three, uh, chapter one, beginning with verse three. And I, I'm, I've broken it up into three different messages. Um, the first is chapter uh, verses three through six, where Paul says, praise be to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, in love, God predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Boy, those are powerful words. Here Paul is reminding the church that, that God created everything. But before God created everything, before God created anything that exists, he had you on his mind. God was thinking about you before he made the world. And then he made the world and the beauty of it for you to enjoy. And he made the stars and the flowers and the smiles. And he made all of the good things in life that we enjoy. And he did it because he loves you. And he had that in mind when he created everything. And as we enjoy all that God has created around us, remember, he did it for you. He had you in mind when he created the world that we live in. And then he said, I want you to take care of it. I want you to be good stewards of what I have created. So he created it. Then he put us in the midst of it and said, I want you all to take care of my creation the universe and all that is in it was created by God and created for us to enjoy. And he chose us before he created anything. Before he made anything, God said, I want you to be a part of my family. I, I want you to be in a relationship with me. Now, th this is God. 
This is the God of the universe who created all that there is. But he had you on his mind, and he said, I want you to be a part of my kingdom, my family. I want you to have a relationship with me. And that was on God's heart and mind from the very beginning of time. You were. How does that make you feel? How does it make you feel to know that you are on the heart of God even before he created anything? That's why God, Paul was saying, we need to praise God for what he has done. We need to praise God because it's his world. He created it, and we need to praise him for his creation and give thanks to him for all that he has done. We need to be grateful for who God is, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, not because we're special, but because of the glorious grace of God. The glorious grace of God makes it possible for us to enjoy what he has created. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to enjoy the world in which we live. He put it here for us to enjoy. He gave us all that there is for his good pleasure. It was God's desire to do that for you. I, I'm open for an amen anytime if y'all feel so led to do that now. I uh, don't want to have to pull it out of you, but uh, I, uh, you can't have barbecue unless you say amen every once in a while. That'll get you. <laughs> there we go. He gets one. That way we can get a count how many amens we get. And, and that's what Paul was doing. Paul was saying, look at what God has done. Praise God for all that he has done. And to, to give God the glory for the, the, uh, uh, the, the glorious uh, grace that God has given to us. And God the Father, God the, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ created it all. And then in verses 7 through 12, Paul goes on. And by the way, all of this is one sentence in the Greek. So I'm, I'm breaking it up some to, um, to make it more understandable. But verse 7 says, in him, in him means Jesus Christ. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. There's that grace again. The grace of God is lavished on us through Jesus Christ. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And here we have the second stage of what 
God has done. First, there was the creation and, and, and God the Father. Now he goes to, to God the Son, and still it's God working. This was in God's plan from the beginning. God knew what we were going to do, and he made preparation for us. So he provided a sacrifice. He provided something to redeem us so that we could come into the very presence of God. I don't understand that. I don't understand how a God as big as he is, as, as immense and as loving and as powerful as the God who created everything. I don't know how that God could love me as rebellious and hateful and arrogant and prideful and y'all can name some other adjectives if you want to, that I am. And he still loves me. I don't understand that. But in the midst of my sin and in the midst of my rebellion, God sent his only son to die on the cross for me. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all unrighteousness. And in Christ, I stand in the very presence of the living God. That's the mystery of God's plan. And he revealed it through Jesus Christ. The mystery has been revealed to us of how we come into the family of God. It's through Jesus Christ. And Paul said, praise God. Do we have something to praise God for? Do we have a reason to worship God? Do we have a reason to come into his presence and lift up our hearts before him? Why are we here? Why do we go through all this church stuff if we're not here to worship and praise and represent the God who has done so much for us? So we come into the presence of a God who, I love the word in here, the grace of God that he lavished on us. I, we used it in Sunday school, but he lavished his grace on us. I don't know if I've lavished anything before, but God, the creator of the, work, of the universe, has enough grace within him that he puts that all over us. By grace you are saved, not you of yourselves. It is the grace of God. My God. We have something to be thankful for. We have something to praise God for. We've got something that we can come into his presence and say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done, because God sent Jesus Christ into the world. It was the plan of God from the beginning. God provided the way for us to become his children through the death of Jesus the Christ on the cross. That was God's plan. That, God knew that was going to happen from the very beginning. And the mystery of God has been fulfilled in Christ. There's no longer a mystery about who God is. For Christ has revealed him to us. We know what God is like by looking at Jesus Christ. Because the Father and the Son are one. So by looking at Christ, we know who God is. But there's another part to this that I think we need to hear very clearly this morning. We know that. But the scriptures say, Jesus came according to the will of God so that we might be able to uh, come into relationship with God, and that was the purpose of what God had planned. But he says in verse 10, 
to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. At the right time, there's going to be a unity in Christ. You see, I, I, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you believe about politics or the world we live in. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we're brothers and sisters. And our relationship to God in Christ makes us one with the Heavenly Father. And we can't let anything come in between that unity. Nothing. And if we do, we're breaking the bond of unity that God calls us to. Are we listening, church? As we think about the things that divide us, the issues of today, all of that garbage, we put it all aside the day after 9-11, and we came together in God because we needed him. How desperately we need him now. But we don't realize it. We don't realize that, that we need to, to go back to the truth of what God has done in our lives and in our world. We're still in rebellion. We're still fighting with each other. There is a sense of unity that you can have, and it only comes when we're in relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Same team. We're in this together. And the body of Christ is united in Christ. Amen? There were about 30 that said it. Okay. <laughs> and the last part of what God has done, not only did he send Jesus Christ into the world that we might be able to be adopted, we're adopted. Jesus is the only natural-born uh, child of God. We are brought in by adoption. That, you know what that means? That means we were chosen. God picked you out. It says, I want you. I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you to be my child. And we are adopted into the kingdom of God by our belief and faith in what God has done through Jesus Christ. That's the plan of God, the plan that God set in motion before the world began. But then he says this in verses 13 and 14, uh, he says, and you also were included in Christ. He's talking now about Gentiles. He's been talking about uh, the Jews and the Jewish Christians, possibly. But now he says, and you also. He's in addressing the church at Ephesus and addressing us. We are Gentiles, by the way. You also, he says, were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed when you came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and believed with all your heart and made profession of faith and were baptized in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, when you did that, you were marked in him with a seal. God sealed you in his kingdom when you believed. 
Amen. He gets two dinners. The promised Holy Spirit is the seal of God's covenant with us. The seal that we are confirmed for heaven is in the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And the Holy Spirit within you means God in you and means that you're in relationship with God. That's what that means. God is with you. God is within us. God empowers us through the Holy Spirit and has sealed us with that Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. What's your inheritance? What are you going to carry with you to heaven? I ain't taking his mask. I know that much. <laughs> You're not going to take a thing with you. Your inheritance is already there. We're going to our inheritance. We're going to a land flowing with milk and honey. We're going to streets of gold. We're going to a world where there are no more tears and no more sorrow. Boy, I look forward to that. These last two weeks, I've had several friends call me um, with deaths in their families. Been about five friends. My my friend Elijah, who came, his father-in-law died. He was uh, a general in the armed forces in Kenya, and he passed away, and his church was packed with congressmen and, and military leaders and members of, the, of Congress, um, but he went through that experience, and I got, I got a call yesterday from a, a friend who said her husband had died. And I'm grateful that in the midst of that sense of loss, in that midst of that sense of, of uh, the finance, we're all going to die. But we have hope. And that hope is the inheritance that we have through Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit within us reassures us of that. It gives us that hope. And without that hope, friends, what do we have to live for? So I go through this these two weeks with that on my heart and mind. But celebrate because of what God has done. Do we have anything to be grateful for? Do we have anything to praise God for? Do we have reason to worship God? Thank God for what he has done. Thank God for what he is doing. Thank God for where you are going. Because of what God has done, we have life abundant in this world, not in the world, just the world to come. It's not, you know, salvation is not pie in the sky by and by. Salvation is a sense of release and freedom in this life. Sealed and signed by the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? You know, sometimes we go through the motions of praise, but unless the Spirit of God within us intercedes for us, God is not praised. Let us worship God in the beauty of holiness. Let us worship God in spirit and, and in truth. That means 
We have to live what we believe. We have to live what we truly believe. So the question is, do you believe it? He gets five meals. <laughs> yeah, you are. Faith is built on what we believe. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because if you're going to draw near to God, you first got to believe that he is. The winds can blow. And you can feel the effects of it. You know it's there, but you can't prove it. But can you live in the reality that God dwells within you? God is, first we have to believe that God exists up here. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And you know what the reward is for those who diligently seek God? God. If you diligently seek God, you will find him. That is the promise of God. So it's not just believing up here. It's not just believing in your head. It's living every day what you believe. It's living out your faith. It's allowing what you believe to change your life to become the person God wants you to become. It's a heart thing. It's a transformation inside to start living by what you truly believe up here. And then, then you worship God. Will you worship God with me? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for who you are and for what you have done. And Lord, we truly have much to be grateful for. And now, Father, we come into your presence thanking you for what you have done through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the beauty of the earth, and we thank you for the redemption that is ours through your Son on the cross of Calvary. And Father, we thank you for your presence with us in the world today. A presence, Father, that empowers us and guides us and strengthens us and comforts us and reassures us that no matter what happens, you're still God and you got it. But Lord, it's not always easy to do that. We live in a world that seeks proof. We live in a world that seeks personal satisfaction and individual rights. And, and God, sometimes we want to be a part of the world rather than to live according to your word, to live according to your spirit. God, for those who truly decide to worship you, Father, I pray that you might bind us together in that unity that only you can give through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Paula's going to play. And while she's playing, if the spirit of God has spoken to you in some way, I invite you to come and to share that with us as we uh, do what we usually do. We, we give an invitation. And that means you respond. Has God spoken to somebody here today? If God's spoken to you, you be obedient to God's spirit as Paula plays.
we enter now into a time of prayer and praise. Good morning again. And uh, through Sunday school this morning and through preaching, uh, what I've heard is that we're known by the fruits that we bear. And it should come natural to us that walk with Christ. It should just be natural. You shouldn't have to say, oh, I'm in church Sunday and I've got to do this and be like this. And then Monday, you turn around and do something different. It should just flow. It should come natural or whatever. And uh, uh, we're going to have our praise and prayer. Then we're going to have our offering. And then we're going to have announcements at the end or whatever. But what praises do you have? We know our God is worthy of them. We know. Thank you. 